We've been looking over these last few weeks at our, our vision and values as a church. We've been looking at being a Jesus-centered church and a Bible-based church, a spirit-led church and a people-focused church. And this morning we're going to be looking at the value of, of giving and the value of generosity. And the message that I'm going to share is, was inspired by a message that I heard from Tim Keller called The Power of Generosity. And I, I want to I read to you um, excerpts from what is the longest passage in the Bible on this issue of, of generosity and, and giving. And it's found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 onwards. So if you've got a Bible in any format and you want to follow it with me as I read you some verses, I'm going to start by reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 uh, from verse 7. And then we'll skip into chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be a quality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. And then we'll go on to chapter 9 and pick up at verse 6 of chapter 9 of Second Corinthians. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each one should give what they have decided in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, 
but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. We'll leave it there. It's the longest passage on, on generosity and giving in the Bible uh, that we've been just reading excerpts from this morning. And I want to look at three questions this morning from this passage. And the first question is, what is the problem? What is the problem? The second question is, what will happen if we don't solve the problem? And the third question is, what is the solution? What is the problem is the first question. The Corinthian church that Paul was writing to um, was quite a wealthy church, a well-off church. It was predominantly a Gentile church. And Paul was trying to raise an offering uh, for famine relief victims in Judea at this time who were mostly uh, Jewish. And he was asking relatively wealthy, well-off Gentiles in Corinth to give gifts and to give financial aid to, to the Jews who were struggling and from famine in Judea. And one of the problems that Paul was encountering, or one of the problems that he was issuing or addressing, was the problem of, of the motivation, of the problem of, of the heart. And as he writes to them, we can pick this out of the text. So in, in chapter 8 of Second uh, Corinthians verse 8, <clears throat> he says this as he writes to them about this gift that he's asking for. He says, I am not commanding you, uh, but I want to test the sincerity of your, your love. And then in verse eight, 11 of chapter 8, Paul says, Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it. You promised last year or previously, Paul saying to the Corinthian church, you promised a gift that you would give to this um, famine relief fund. And now I want to see that you're willing to carry that on to completion and to, to do what you said you would do. And then in verse 12 he says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has. And then in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, as we move forward in verse 7, he says these words as he writes them. He says, Each one should give what they've decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, a cheerful giver. So God wants, Paul is saying, in essence, God wants a generosity of, of heart. God wants a willingness to give. God wants people that are going to give from a place of joy, a response of joy, is what he's looking for from the Corinthian church. No compulsion, Paul says. I am not compelling you. I am not commanding you. I am not coercing you. I am asking that you give from a place of joy and a generous spirit. And he's taking on there the issue, I guess, in, in the human heart, the issue, the problem of, of greed in our lives. And, and greed is a, is a slippery sin and one that is very difficult to identify in ourselves. And, and I was listening to one pastor who said in all of his years of ministry, he said, people have come and confessed pretty much every sin you can think of to me, but I have never had anybody come up and say, I, I, I am... I'm greedy. I am confessing the sin of greed. Because it's very hard to, to see. There's no external referent for it. Um, because it's a sin of the heart. And other sins are much easier to see and to spot, and we're good at spotting them. But do we know when we are, when we are greedy? 
or when we are suffering from a lack of a generous spirit. There's not a, there's not a simple line because greed and generosity are matters of the heart, which is what Paul is addressing. He's addressing the matters of their heart. And he does not in any way want to compel or coerce, but he wants to ask about their motivation and their willingness and their joy in giving. So one of the ways that we give as Christians is we give what is called a tithe of, of, our, of our income. A tithe represents 10% of our, of our income that we earn. The pattern is that we give a tithe of that to the work of God. And this is marked in the Old Testament in, in Hebrew scriptures um, with clear teaching that was given to the people of God at that time to the Israelites that they should bring a tenth of their crops and a tenth of their harvests and bring it to the tabernacle and give it to the house of God so that the worship of God could be carried out and the priests of God could serve. And so this 10% gift was mandated in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Paul never mentions it. He never mentions the tithe or the 10% kind of line of giving. Paul, he just doesn't go there. But Jesus mentions it in, in once in, in Luke chapter 11 when he's speaking to the Pharisees who were a, a religious group, a religious, the religious leaders of their day, and he speaks to them about them giving a tithe because they would give a tenth of what they had in their herbs and their crops and so on. And he says to them, you tithe everything, and that's fine, that's fine. But then he condemns them. Jesus condemns the Pharisees in a set of woes where he says, woe to you, you Pharisees. And what he condemns is, he says, you, you, give, you give 10% of your income, but you neglect the greater matter of justice and the love of God. Legalistically, you're complying with a percentage uh, of giving. Um, maybe you want God's blessing. Maybe you want his affirmation. Um, so what, what do I have to give to be blessed by God in that, in that sense? How much do I have to give? And sometimes it can be a giving in order to get. But, but Jesus says, what is, what is in your heart? I mean, if you, if you read what Jesus says to them in, in Luke chapter 11, he goes straight for their heart attitude, the problem of the human heart. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat. This is, this is in Luke chapter 11, verse 37. The Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees. You give God a tenth of your mint and your rue and all the other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So Jesus addresses this issue of the heart and the heart of giving, and he, he says, really, if your heart is generous, if your attitude towards your money is not begrudging or filled with anxiety, you will be filled with joy and with grace. 
and the amount will take care of itself that you give. Because all of your life, you will be pushing to give more and more and more. It won't be capped at 10%. The tithe is a great guideline in the Bible, but why are you giving? What is your motivation? As far as God is concerned, greed or generosity is a matter of our heart. Giving joyfully or eagerly, always trying to give more. And Paul addresses kind of, and gives a case study of the Macedonian church when he's, when he's writing to the Corinthians. And he, he says in chapter 8, in verses 1 to 5, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. The Macedonians, Paul says, as he writes to the Corinthians, he says they'd, they'd already given generously to this famine relief fund in a, in a way that was, showed rich generosity. And he says they gave beyond their ability almost. They gave sacrificially when they saw the needs of their starving brothers and sisters in Judea. And a person who asks, how much do I have to give, has held on to themselves. Because what Paul says here about the Macedonians is, they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. When we ask, how much do I have to give, we are keeping a hold of ourselves. It's ultimately a, a selfish question. The Macedonians gave themselves in their entirety, and then they were as generous as they could possibly be. And here is the problem that Paul is addressing, and it's the problem of the human heart. And if generosity is a matter of the heart, we just don't have hearts like that, do we? We just don't have hearts like that often. And that's, the, and that's what Paul addresses. He says, I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm not trying to command you. I'm not trying to compel you. I want you to give out of a place where you give yourselves fully to the Lord. And then out of that place, joyfully as the Macedonians, I want you to give and give and give what you can give. And if you have to ask the question, like the Pharisees did, how much do I have to give? Is it 10%? Is it this? But actually you're asking the wrong question. That is the the problem that Paul addresses first and foremost, which I guess is the problem that we find in all of our hearts. And sometimes we find hard to quantify because there's not a clear line for greed and generosity in, in our hearts and when we hold on to things. But what will happen then if we don't solve this problem? That's the second question. In verses 13 to 15 of chapter 8, Paul says this. He says, Our desire... It's not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that that might be a quality. At the present time, your plenty, he's saying this to the Corinthians, uh, to give to the Judeans, your plenty will supply what they need, 
so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Now, Paul is referring there to Exodus 16, and it's a quote from where the manna came down from heaven. If you remember that story, if you're not aware of it or don't know it, in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were wandering through the desert, they had no food, they had no source of food, and God provided a miracle of manna, which came down on a daily basis, like flour that was found on the floor of the wilderness, and it was called manna because it means, what is it? What is it? <laughs> and, and God provided for them miraculously. And, and the quote that Paul gives here in, to the Corinthians is directly from that episode in Israel's history. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Every day, God said, go out and get some manna and gather it in, but don't gather too much, just enough for the day's needs. And then, and, and then go again tomorrow, and there'll be more tomorrow for you, but don't hoard it, or it will turn, uh, it will grow maggots, and, it, and it, it won't be usable. You won't be able to consume it. The Israelites couldn't support themselves, so God did this miracle of providing for them daily. The instruction came, you mustn't take more than your family needs for one day. And if you try to hoard it, it will stink. Now, what's Paul talking about here when he quotes this? He's likening our money, the Corinthians' money and giving, to manna from heaven. And he's telling them and us two things. First of all, he's telling us, you need to see that all the money that you have earned, ever earned, even with all of your hard work, is nonetheless a gift from God. How did you get that manna? How did you get that money? You had to go out and gather it. And some of you have worked very hard at that. But it's crucial that when you went out and gathered it, you should share it with those who couldn't gather as much. Perhaps, perhaps they were weaker, perhaps they didn't have as much strength, or they didn't have the resources. And so that was the command that Moses gave the people. And he said, you must not hoard it. Because if you hoard it, it will grow maggots and it will stink. And in God's grace this morning, you and I were born in the age that we're born in, in the country that we're born in, in with the opportunities that we have and the, and the educations that we have received and the ability to earn wealth. And we are amongst the richest people in the world in our percentile in where we live and what we earn. In God's grace, we were born where we are with the opportunities we have. And ultimately, your health and your opportunities and everything that you have are a gift from God. And this is where we had a laugh between myself and David where I used to give the illustration of the tithe and he said, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, that's mine, and then this tenth is God's. And I said, no, it's not, that's not how the Bible teaches it. The Bible says that's God's. And that's God's, and that's God's, and that's God's. And everything we have is a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is the Father of lights. And the manna that we have received, the money that we have received, Paul says, is a gift from God. 
Ultimately, all of this, and if we recognize this, if we have this heart attitude towards what we own, whether it's our houses or our cars or our clothing or our finances or our bank accounts, it all belongs to God. And the ability to earn it, the ability to gather it has been given to us from God. And this is the first, the first step that Paul takes to address their heart problem um, the, heart, the problem of the heart is to recognize that this is manna from heaven and it's given by God. And the second thing that Paul is telling them, that is if you keep too much money for yourself, it will rot your soul. There will be maggots and worms. There's a great danger involved in not having a generous heart, in not having a generous heart, which is what Proverbs 11 says in, in, in Proverbs 11.24, which, which says that there are those who generously scatter abroad and yet increase more, and there are those who withhold more than is fitting or what is justly due, but it results only in want, keeping too much for ourselves, holding on too much to what God has given us. So that is the question of the problem and the question of what happens when that problem prevails when we don't give, when we don't have a generous heart as God wants us to have. The problem of the human heart, the problem of greed, which we can't always see in ourselves or in others, a lack of trust in God and his provision, and this likening to the manner that, that, Paul, that Paul says here to the Corinthians. So the third question that we ask then of this text is how can we solve this problem? And there are two things that Paul points them to. The first is to get a vision for the harvest. To get a vision for the harvest. In, in chapter 9 and verse 6 of Corinthians, he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul speaks here of the sowing generously and reaping generously and having a harvest of righteousness. Now, sometimes this verse and these verses have been used to promote what, what's been called the prosperity gospel. So if you sow into our ministry, you will reap and God will give you lots of money. So if you, if you give $10 to our ministry, God will give it back to you and then he'll give you some more. And there's become a teaching formed around some of these verses and others like them that kind of tell us that if we give to God, he will give back to us. And if we give our money to God, he will give us lots more money back, like a jukebox in the sky. But that's not what Paul is saying here. And, and when you sow seed, you don't reap 
seed, <laughs> you sow seed, you reap fruit or you reap crops. And when we sow into the kingdom of God, we reap here what is called a harvest of righteousness. If you are giving your money to God's work, how does it come back to you? What is the harvest? Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And then he quotes from Psalm 112, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. What Paul is writing about here in the word righteousness is not moral goodness, but about right relationships. The right relationship with God, a right relationship with other people, a restoration of God's goodness and kingdom, his right way of living. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. So when Peter writes of the end times and the recreation of the earth, a new heaven and a new earth in 2 Peter 3.13, what Peter says is in keeping with the promise, we're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells, where there is righteousness. Things are the way they should be. Things are the way God meant them to be, the righteousness of God, right living, right relationships, the kingdom of God, healing, restoration between God and humanity and amongst us. And what Paul is saying is, from quoting from Psalm 112, is when you scatter your gifts, when you give like this, you are going to bring healing. You are going to reap a harvest of righteousness. You're going to sow and see right relationships between God and people and between people and people. You're going to see the kingdom of God come. You're going to see righteousness endure and prevail just as it will be in heaven as you give in this way. So when Paul is writing to them, he wants them to have a vision of the harvest of what they were giving into. Of, of the harvest of righteousness. And it, it's not that we get an attitude of, well, if I, if I give more, God will give me more, or God will give me more money in my bank account, or it's not that. And, it, and it's not answering the question of how much do I have to give to be righteous. But actually, when I get a vision of the harvest that God wants to use this money for, <laughs> the harvest of righteousness, that is what Paul is appealing to to the Corinthian church and to us. So the first part of finding a solution to the problem of our motivation and our heart issues and our greed issues and our lack of trust issues sometimes is to have a vision of the harvest that will come when we give in this way, the harvest of righteousness. But the second thing that Paul appeals to and that we must have if we're going to overcome this heart issue of ours is to get a vision of the Saviour himself. It's to get a vision of Jesus. And Paul ends this whole section, this long section of teaching on generosity and giving, with an exclamation. <laughs> Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And that's how he ends this teaching, this section in chapter 9, verse 15 of 2 Corinthians. He points to Jesus and he says, thanks, to, thanks be to God for what he has given us in Jesus, in this indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. And Jesus wasn't just born. 
Jesus was given to us. So for God so loved, the Bible says, that was his heart motivation. It must be ours when we give. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. And we read, don't we, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, unto us a son is given. Jesus wasn't just born, he was given to us. He was given as a saviour to us. And then we read these powerful words that comfort us and help, help us, and, and if we believe them, truly believe them, and live our lives according to them, we'll change the way we view all of these things. He, in Romans 8.32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? This is the giving God, the generosity of God, who gave his own son for us. So don't you think if God gave his own son for you, that he won't graciously give you all things that you need for your life? For, for your godliness, for your growth, for your prospering. If God is so generous, if God loves you so much that he wouldn't withhold even his own son, but will give you also all things along with him. And if we receive Jesus Christ as a gift, which he is, eventually we will receive every other gift. So Paul says in chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, he says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Isn't this the truth of Philippians, that Jesus didn't grasp, hold on to equality with God? as something to be grasped or held on to. He gave it up. All of his glory, all of his, uh, his power, all of his, his position, he gave it all up. He emptied himself. He took on the form of humankind, took on the form of slavery, lowered himself even to death on a cross. <laughs> Jesus, Paul says, and he takes here the gospel and he puts it into economic terms and he says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you could become rich. And when we have a vision of our Savior like that, it begins to change our hearts, our heart attitudes towards giving of ourselves. Because what Paul is saying as he holds up the Macedonian church, he says, they have given themselves fully to the Lord and to his grace. And, um, and th this was Paul's message also to the Ephesians and to the Ephesian elders. Um, we think sometimes people's last words, you know, people's last words can be very powerful, I guess, and if you knew that these were your last words, what would you say to someone? What would you leave with them? What message would you give to them? And as, as Paul meets the Ephesian elders as he's on his way to Rome and he, he knows he's on his way to his death and and it's kind of the end of his ministry, calls these elders to himself and he, he commends them to the gospel of grace, first of all. 
And then he talks to them about giving, and he says, more general, it's, it's better to give than it is to receive. But it, that comes from the gospel of grace, living in the gospel of grace. That, that is the way the Macedonians experience. They've expre- experienced the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're filled with joy. They're filled with gratitude. And out of that place, that heart place, they give and they give and they give and they give. And it's not, it's not like, how much do I have to give? <laughs> what percentage do I have to give? It's like the Lord has given to me. His Lord has made me rich. And I want to give in the same way for a harvest of righteousness and in view of what the Savior has done for me. You don't have enough love and I don't have enough love in my heart. But we can work on our heart and receive this gospel of grace. We can know this gospel, this grace of God, and we can bring this gospel into every area of our life because God became a baby. He gave himself fully for us. We are called to heal the world through our giving, to see a harvest of righteousness, to get a generous heart. And in a few moments, um, we're going to be taking communion to celebrate this indescribable gift of grace and love that God has given for us. So a spirit of generosity, and as Paul addresses all of these issues, he addresses the the why, the problem, (laughs) the motivation of the people. And he says, "For for you to give as God designed us to give, for you to live as God designed us to live, we need to overcome the problem of the human heart. If we don't, the problem will lead to us hoarding, not trusting God for his daily supply or his provision, his daily provision, and it will begin to stink. It will begin to rot our souls. Didn't the Bible tell us that we shouldn't store up treasures for ourselves on earth where moth and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal, but we really should be storing up treasures for ourselves in heaven. I wonder if some of those treasures are people saved, salvation brought, the gospel preached, the poor helped, and so on and so forth. But to do this, I think we've got to change our vision. And we've got to have a vision first of the harvest, which is what Paul talks to. And we've got to have a fresh vision of our Savior, Jesus Christ. As I say, in a few moments, we're going to be talking um, and taking communion. I've been looking this morning at the why of generosity and the why of giving. And I'm, I'm going to ask in a moment Emma to come up and just to explain very briefly the how. Um, the times have changed, have they not? And I grew up in a church where the, um, the velvet bags came round and we put in our offerings and gave our tithes. But times have changed and very few of us give with cash these days. And Emma is going to explain to us uh, some of the ways that we all give uh, uh, through the church and just some of the practicalities of this. Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Okay, so many service, but uh, actually for this bit, you can. <laughs> um, so we, um, we want to make it as easy as possible for people to be able to tithe, to give, to donate. So there's lots of ways to do it. Traditionally, like Jeff said, it was always the collections uh, on the Sunday in church, but now you can pretty much give from wherever you are, whether you're at home, out and about, or here in church. So um, 
We have two apps now um, that we can use for giving, which can be downloaded onto your phone. And this can be done by, um, so there's lots of ways you can do it, apps and online, standing order and Sunday services. And on the first one, we have an app called Church Suite. So some of you will have come across this already. Um, we would like eventually everybody in the church family to have the Church Suite app because it helps with all sorts of things. So your personal information, your um, rotors, uh, communication, all sorts of things. And one of the things that you can do on there is giving. So that's the page there, so the Church Suite app. So you, and you can see there's a list of different things on the menu there, and it will give you loads of information about what's going on in church. But one of the choices is giving. So you can choose giving. You can put in the amount you'd like to give, and then you press send. And that's it. <laughs> as easy as that. And that will come directly into the church here. It just means you need to download it from, um, from, the, from the app stores. Um, but I think in the future, we're going to do a little bit more around Church Suite, aren't we? And try and um, roll that out. And we'll be giving you some more information. But for giving, it's a really great app. We've now also signed into an app called Gift. So you can just see it there on the screen. Uh, around the building, you'll spot these little blue circles. Um, and this means it's another app you can use for giving to the church here. But you can use it to give to any number of charities or organizations. Um, and if you give to multiple charities, you can sign up for gift aid on there. And it will help you at the end of the year so that you know how much you've given collectively to lots of different charities. So Elim, our denomination, have um, signed into this and they're encouraging us to use it. And again, you can download it um, onto your phone and give that way. So if you go just onto the gift app, the second screen, so that one there, there's a number of ways you can do. So you would pull up the app and it would give you a menu page and you would put in however much you were going to give, and then it would come up with options. So if you're sat here in church, it would say, um, look at your location, be like Plymouth Christian Centre, you want to give to them? Click, done. Um, or you can swipe on these blue circles that you'll see around the church. Um, you can also scan the QR code there. Um, and also you can do it where you're at home, and you can say, I want to give however much, and you can find a list of different charities and things. So that's a great way to do it. Um, another option for giving is on our website. You can go to our website or scan this QR code here. Um, and literally, for those that aren't all that technical, all you have to do is pull your camera up on your phone, hold it there, and it will take you to the page, and you can give. Um, and then, obviously, we've also got um, our collection buckets on a Sunday. So you can, um, on a Sunday morning, the collection buckets come around, and you can give by cash or check there. You can also... Um, get pay by card. We've got a card machine at the Connect Corner just over there. If you want any more information, um, I'm going to be in the foyer after the service and I've got this form here and it's got all the ways that you can um, give, uh, you can donate. It's also got all the QR codes and tells you where you can go for the apps that you might want to download. Um, also, the final thing I just wanted to mention was gift aid. So some of you will have heard of Gift Aid and you'll be signed up for Gift Aid. Um, 
and it's, it's, a, it's a government scheme which doesn't cost you any money at all. So if you're a UK taxpayer, you can sign up to gift aid and then whatever you donate, we can claim 25% back from the government at no extra cost to you. So if you're not a gift aider and you're a taxpayer, that's something that you could sign into. And again, I'll have those forms out in the foyer if you want to come and see me afterwards. I love a bargain, so just to put that in numbers for you, if you give £10 a week for a whole year, that's £520, but it also means that we get an extra £130 back from the government. So every little helps. So uh, there you go, Jeff. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. <clears throat> it's so complicated, isn't it, these days? <laughs> but um, welcome to the 20s, Mr. Banks. Um, different ways to give. Um, that is for the, those of us who are part of this church family and are members here. It is not for you if you're visiting us or uh, you're a, a visitor this morning. Um, it's not. That, that is not for you. That is for those of us who are regular worshippers here and, and give in this way uh, to the work of God in this way. So that's just some of the hows. The focus this morning of the message is on, is on the why. And, uh, and, I, and, you know, may God touch our hearts in that way to have a fresh vision and a generous heart. Next week, what we're going to do as we wrap up this series is we're going to be uh, talking about how you can get involved. And we'll, we'll be highlighting the various ministries of the church and the ability to serve and to contribute and to be part of that. As we've talked about every, everybody, everybody being a part of the ministry, everybody doing their part and using their gifts. So next week, in a very practical way, we'll be highlighting some of those aspects of church ministry and life and if you're on, a little bit on the outskirts, you want to get involved, it'd be a great week to come and to listen into that. I'm